It's been a hot minute since we recorded a full-length episode here on Barbecue Chicken Alert, but we're back to talk all about these conference finals. Suns, Clippers, Bucks, Hawks, who you got? Our brackets are shot. Let's get into it right now. Lillard, long-range three. Ah, it's good! Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up to the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! It's off to Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? And we're finally back. Barbecue chicken alert. And when I say we, the main man himself, Mr. Levi, is back in the house. Levi, how you doing today? It's been a hot minute. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, we're doing these at the beginning of every round now um, and with a few hendo hubbubs in the middle. So coming back to the podcast is really refreshing. Got a few, a couple weeks off to just take in the NBA games, although I've been stressing more, stressing more about my bracket that we made on a previous episode that I've been really enjoying the games, but yeah, it's just been fun to see how these games have turned out and have heartbreak in the middle of some really fun contests. Talking about the past round that we just had, which I got to say, man, this has got to be one of the most legendary second rounds in recent memory dating back a few years. I, I couldn't even name one off the top of my head. Um, maybe 2019. Yeah. I was going to say Sixers, Sixers Raptors in that round. And then, was that the Blazers same? Nuggets. Yeah, Blazers Nuggets. Blazers Nuggets as well, and then even uh, even Warriors Rockets. Even though that wasn't the year that Warriors Rockets went seven, it was still an entertaining series. And KD was hurt. People thought maybe the Rockets are going to get past them without KD, but Curry showed up big time. And then over think, in the like, East, what was the other I series? That, I think that was the same round where Paul Pierce said the Bucks were done after one game. <laughs> oh yeah, against the Celtics. Yeah, and legendary hot take by the the former ESPN employee. But man, Nets. Lose to the Bucks in seven. Hey, guess who called that originally? I didn't say it after the first round, but I said I said Bucks in seven. So hey, my my NBA champion Lakers are are dead. So I still got the Bucks coming out of the East out of my original bracket. But besides that, I mean everything else is done. I, I had the Mavericks going to the Western Conference Finals. The Clippers are, and I did not have the Suns coming out of the first round. But Mr. Levi has totally demolished his Western Conference bracket. He has both the Suns and the Clippers. And if, if things pan out to his predictions, we'll see the Clippers in the NBA Finals, but going down 0-1 to the Suns, who didn't even have Devin Booker, and the Clippers are still going to be without Kawhi. News came out recently today that Kawhi and CB3 are both been ruled out for Game 2. Can Devin Booker keep it up? Who knows? But I just want to ask you, Levi, what was the most surprising result for you out of this uh, out of this second round that we just got finished with? At the beginning of this round, I'd say it was the Hawks beating the Sixers. I did not see that coming at all. Um, but in the middle of the round, I think I'd say Nets over Bucks just because of how awful Milwaukee looked in those first two games. And then Kyrie obviously got hurt and Nets struggled to, I don't know, it seemed like Kyrie went down and suddenly they were like just having to string together possessions uh, piece by piece. It felt like KD really, it, it took a little bit, but KD figured out near the end of that series that he just needed to be the guy playing that LeBron in 2018 Celtics series role where he's just, he's controlling the offense. He's taking the shots and he was the guy making shots. I mean, those last two games, last three games, 40, 30, 40 again. And I'm just giving baselines. He, he dropped, I think 49 in, in game five and then 48 in game seven, which broke the all time playoff game seven scoring record. 
No one else was hitting shots. I don't know why Joe Harris kept getting looks. I kept don't know why Joe Harris got minutes on the stretch when guys like Jeff Green, who showed up in Game 5, barely got any playing time in Game 7. That was a coaching decision by Steve Nash that surprised me. Uh, but the Hawks Sixers as well, I mean, I said in a Playoff Hot Takes episode, which you can go check out, that I thought the Hawks could win their first-round series and give the Sixers a run for their money, but never would I ever have thought that they could beat the Sixers. Um, I guess playing injuries into account and with the all-time terrible performance by Ben Simmons, who <laughs> someone on someone on Reddit was saying that Ben Simmons was putting up binary code stat lines in this past series, which I thought was hilarious. Out West, Clippers beating the Jazz. Without Kawhi was definitely a surprising result for me. I mean, Terrence Mann showing up in Game 7. I don't think he scores above 20 for the rest of these playoffs. Hot take. And then Suns, I definitely saw them beating the Nuggets. In in four games, though, I, I would have thought that Jokic and MPJ would have put together at least one game where they get a win out of that. But we're done with the second round now, and let's look forward to these uh, Western Conference Finals. Let's talk about the one that has not started yet, and that's going to be Hawks versus Bucks. Game one's tomorrow night or tonight or in the past, depending on when you're listening to this episode. In Milwaukee, because, of course, Milwaukee's the two seed. The Hawks are the five seed. Levi, looking at this series, Hawks, Bucks, what do you think the keys are to both of these teams winning? I think, obviously, the Bucks are favored. So let's start off with talking about the Hawks. What do the Hawks got to do to shut down Giannis, get past someone like Drew Holiday if you're Trey Young? And, and take this series and make their first conference, make their first NBA finals since what, the 90s, 80s? Did they even make a finals back then? Who knows? Uh, I don't think they did. Maybe in the 80s. Oh, gosh, I don't even know about that either. Uh, minor correction, that doesn't even matter at all. Uh, Bucks are actually the three seed, I believe, since they, the Nets got the two seed. Oh, yeah, but you're right, you're right. It totally doesn't matter. But, uh, yeah, I don't think anyone's really going to shut down Giannis on this team. I mean, you could say John Collins would probably be I would think he's the best matchup for Giannis just because he's a high flyer, but he also is kind of stationary. And I feel like Giannis just, Giannis is like a freaking horse that just attacks the rim every, every like three third possession. And you don't know, and you have to just basically deal with it. And I feel like the Nets obviously didn't do a particularly good job of that. And that's part of the reason why they lost. And if they don't do that in this year, if the Hawks don't contain that in this series, they're going to have a similar result. Uh, when you asked about Trey Young, he's obviously he, – he's really becoming like – I'm not going to say he's Allen Iverson. No, Allen Iverson was never this, like, villainous. But Trey Young just embraces the villain role so much. And I know a lot of NBA players and NBA fans on Twitter are not liking, not liking that. But I, I just kind of enjoy it. I mean, I'm not a big Hawks fan at all. I'm not an enthusiast, really. But Trey Young just has something that makes him so. I mean, I'm sure if I was like a uh, a Sixers fan or a Knicks fan, I'd probably hate him right now. But just something about him embracing that villain role of being able to uh, make ridiculous half court shots that just take away team morale of the other team. Uh, it's obviously a lot like Dame and Steph, but. When he does it, he just – it feels like you're it, – it's just so agonizing to see a guy this young just take apart your team completely uh, with the ability of someone like Steph, that is what we usually see, take apart a team like this. But when Trey Young does it, it's just – it's I hate to use this, the D'Angelo Russell's term, it's cold-blooded, um, and we're seeing that continue in these rounds and hopefully in the Bucks series as well. 
Yeah, and I think an underrated aspect of Trey Young's game, which I think people will take more notice as his career progresses onwards, is his playmaking ability. I think I don't think Dame or Steph should be talked about when talking about Trey Young comparisons. I think he's a very different player. And yes, he's going to hit those logo threes and his deep threes, but those aren't a focal point of his game. They're just something that he can do. He's a streaky shooter. Uh, Bill Simmons was talking about this in his latest episode of his podcast. But Trey Young is really, really one of the closest things we have to Steve Nash in the modern day era. I mean, people forget that Steve Nash was shooting above 40% from three every year. He had a season where he dropped almost 40%, 45% from behind the arc. And Trey Young, I mean, you saw it in Game 7. He had some crazy dimes where he's at half court and he whips a one-handed pass to John Collins in the paint, throws up some lobs to Capella. This team it really built around him is just very similar to those those Suns teams back in the day. Uh, you got you got the veteran shooters, you got you got the young the younger slashers. When you think I talk about John Collins, I've I've compared it to Amari Stoudemire. I think Collins and Trey Young are kind of the uh, the modern day Nash and Stoudemire. When you think about how the games evolved, and I think Young's ability to drop ten assists on a any given night. I don't know what his averages were for the series against the Sixers, but I remember there was one game where he dropped almost 20 assists. I think it was early on in the series. And his ability to just, I don't know, mid-range as well. We've seen kind of a mid-range revitalization over these playoffs. At least become more of a focal point of the offense with Kawhi Leonard, CP3, Kevin Durant, Trey Young. Guys who, any given possession, defense is going to be trying to close them out, not give them any room from beyond the arc, so they're going to be forced into tough step backs or logo threes that they can still hit incredibly but a lot more pull-up mid-ranges and elbow jumpers even Devin Booker and Chris Middleton have been doing it we've been seeing a lot of the stars this year down the stretch hitting key mid-ranges kind of a kind of a random tangent but yeah going back to this Hawks Bucks series like you said I don't think anyone on this Hawks team can contain Giannis and it's gonna have to come down to pretty much two guys John Collins and Clint Capella. I think those are the bodies you put on Giannis. You try and be physical. You try and kind of wear him down like you did with Embiid. But the thing with Giannis is Giannis is totally healthy. Where Embiid was playing on a partially torn meniscus and still was able to drop 30 and 11 in Game 7. But getting those, uh, forcing those turnovers if you're Capella, if you're Collins. I don't know. I don't know. With their size, you look at the, the defense uh, against Embiid. Embiid was still able to get into the post. And Giannis's, uh, Giannis' success he's been having is isolating guys on the elbow and the wing or just running downhill from the, the top of the key, getting the rack. I don't know how the Hawks are going to be able to stop this. But on the opposite side, if you're Trey Young, Levi, and you're going against Drew Holiday, who's arguably the best defending point guard in the league, what do you think Holiday and the Bucks are going to try and do to limit Trey Young's success? I guess Drew should just... I don't even know if work is magic is the right phrase because that, that seems like a sounds like fortune cookie wisdom to think that you're just going to magically stop this guy with one guy. But definitely throwing double teams at him, but he, even then he can show, he's shown he can throw out of that. It's just really going to be coming down to what you can do possession by possession, trying to limit him in several ways. And uh, yeah, I think Jeru's a hell of a defender. Um, but then again, so was Ben Simmons, and the Hawks found a way to exploit that on offense multiple times. And to be honest, I think I think that's what they're going to do in this series against Milwaukee as well. Yeah, and I, I think I think talking about defense, this series could come down to who plays the better defense on the Stars. And 
besides that as well, can the secondary guys continue to step up? I mean, Bogdanovich struggled down the stretch, and now he's dealing with an injury. Gallinari really stepped into that Bogdanovich role in games 5, 6, and 7 for the Hawks. And for the Bucks, can Chris Middleton continue to shine? I mean, Drew Holiday, he was iffy in the last series. He played wonderful in the first round against the Heat, but against the Nets, he was pretty much shut down, with the exception of Game 6. Didn't shoot the most efficiently down the stretch for any of the, any of the closeout games against the Nets. But if Middleton can keep it up, I don't know. I, I it's gonna it's gonna take a big performance, I think, from Bogdanovich as well as John Collins in this series for the Hawks, who has been kind of inconsistent, but shown that he's deserved a big contract this offseason. That's what I think he did against the Sixers. But enough with the chit chat. Hawks, Bucks, Levi. Who you got in seven games? Uh, in a seven game series, I feel like the favorite here is definitely. Milwaukee, just because they're the higher seed and they have Giannis, two-time MVP. But I got to I gotta stick with this hype train right now. I think the Hawks, I, I, I'm not saying this because I think you can probably go to a Hawks game and get some a good finals experience, but I think the Hawks ultimately get to take down Milwaukee in six games. Damn, I you're, going, you're gonna, going bold for six, all right. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to take the series on their home floor and walk into the finals against a team. I will say in about like five or six minutes, we'll see. I really want to pick the Hawks. I really want to jump on the Hawks bandwagon. I'm going to game three, but I I just think what we've seen from Giannis in these playoffs is that this man is on a mission. This man's going to make a statement. I said it before the playoffs. I think this is Giannis's breakout playoff season. Uh, I didn't think he would win a ring because I thought the Lakers would. But not that the Lakers are gone. You got Kawhi and CB3. They're up in the uh, they're up in the air on the opposite side of the spectrum. But for this series, man, I just I don't know. I don't know if I believe enough in Bogdanovich and Collins to produce. And as much as the ride has been magical, I just think the the playoff experience of guys like Giannis and Chris Middleton, and I expect Drew Holiday to step up in a bigger role this series. Uh, going up against someone like Trey Young, who is not an elite defender or even a serviceable defender at the at the worst, at the best, pardon me. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Bucks in man. I really want to say I really want to say a, a low number. I want to say Bucks in four, Bucks in five. But these playoffs continue to be the craziest playoffs we've seen in our lifetime, without any doubt. So I'm gonna say Bucks in seven. I think this series this series goes yard. I don't know about crazy in our lifetime. I, I mean, <laughs> you think back to narratives, random injuries, teams you didn't expect to go far in the playoffs. I mean, every year we've been alive and been following NBA, it's always been LeBron, Curry, KD, Tim Duncan, Dwayne Wade. It's always been one of those five guys in the final, it seems. And this year, we're going to have Giannis, Paul George, Chris Paul, or Trey Young becoming an NBA champion. And at the beginning of the season... I think with the exception of, of Paul George, maybe, you wouldn't have said any of those three guys really had a chance to. Looking at that Nets super team in the Lakers. I don't know. I don't think you would have said Paul George had a chance to. With all the there was a lot of clipper um slander, slander on the timeline early in uh, what was that, December, late December, starting the season out. Especially with was this, no, it was last season that Paul George missed the start of. Uh but yeah, it's it's. I, I guess you're right. It is really one of the 
we we haven't seen this many teams who haven't won it in a while like stepping to the forefront as the contenders seeing teams that haven't won it in a while it's, it's exciting definitely and uh we'll get to see a team that hasn't won it in a while just add a banner to their rafters it's gonna be fun and who knows this could be such an anomaly that whoever wins this ring could could be elevated to eli manning status in the nba a guy who wins a ring and maybe another one down the stretch isn't turning out to be a perennial hall of famer but we're still going to respect him for what he did persevering through that those weird playoffs not being favored i don't know random comparison but out west Let's go out west and talk about Clippers Suns. Suns are up 1-0 in this series. Devin Booker dropped a 40-point triple-double. Game 2, like I said, in Phoenix. And CP3 and Kawhi continue to be out. Clippers, they're dealing with injuries with Kawhi. Marcus Morris was hurt. Missed a little bit of that game one. When he came back, he didn't look like himself. Reggie Jackson has been playing out of his mind these playoffs. Paul George has been putting up solid numbers. I'll give it to him. He's, he's earned somewhat the playoff P nickname. Especially if they come out of this series. I'm prepared to call them that for uh, for next season if they make the playoffs then. But for the Suns, man, Devin Booker's been elevating his game to superstar levels. Miles Bridges continues to poo-poo on your slander of him back in that top 25 under 25 list we talked about. DeAndre Ayton has been making a statement. You didn't know about him being one of the elite bigs in the league after these playoffs. He's definitely up in that, that top top five fringe top five conversation i'd argue campaign as well i mean he was almost out of the league two years ago on that, on that terrible bulls team Suns, clippers we've seen the clippers go down 2-0 in their past two series and come back and win you picked the Suns originally to uh lose in this series yet they're up what do you think with with Kawhi and cp3's health up in the air. What are the what are the keys to this series for both teams, Levi? Well, the keys to this for the Suns are definitely just give the ball to Booker every possession, which seems like which seems like they're doing. Um, obviously, you have to inter- intermingle guys like DeAndre Ayton, who's really their only elite big. Uh, well, I mean, not every team has two elite bigs, but he's really their only like solid big defender and inside presence. Uh, yeah, you just really need to make sure the ball keeps hopping around and makes it way to Booker, makes its way to Booker eventually. And then when he misses, uh, either give it back to him or find Bridges in the corner for a three. But from what I saw from the first game, um, I mean, people have been saying that uh, what the Clippers rely on is their shooting and how it's not going to keep coming. But man, it, it it really does. And I don't know if the Suns have enough. To- Defensive pressure to keep their pressure, keep the keep the pressure on the Clippers for the whole time. Clippers, the Suns really needed that forty point triple double from Booker to keep the tide going and just eventually outlast the Clippers. Hear me out. Let me interject uh, real quick. You yeah. think about the foes of the past two series: Devin Booker dropping a forty point triple double, Donovan Mitchell in games one and two, Luka Doncic in games one and two. All three series, the Clippers have had to face the superstar playing out of their minds yet they've made adjustments and they've been able to survive the storm that's just something to think about that i just i totally thought made the connection in my mind they just continue to let superstars cook on them yet they find a way to win can they can they can they still do that this series without Kawhi? i mean i if you want if we want to flip the script and go to the next uh point for the clippers the key for this series is to weather the storm 
I feel like in the last two series, they did a pretty good job of letting that guy do his thing, but also limiting other players. Like when you saw Bogdanovich and uh, um, Joe Ingles in the last series get, get kind of frustrated. And in the first round, you obviously saw guys like Porzingis and Tim Hardaway at times get frustrated, making sure that you're keeping, I mean, Booker's obviously going to, he's going to score probably 30 in probably at least five of these games. But as long as you're keeping the pressure on um, secondary scores, secondary offensive players, I think, and uh, keeping up this hot shooting, I mean, the Clippers team could really go far with that. And I think if they even let Booker just not do what he did last game, I think they'll be in a good position to eke out some wins, especially with Chris Paul not being available for at least next game. Yeah, and when you said that, it made me think staring at this game one box score, letting Booker do his thing. I don't think Booker's a guy who's going to drop 11 assists on a a night-to-night basis. I mean, we saw him play a little bit of that point guard role in in game one. Of course, campaign was the starting point guard, finished with nine assists. Uh, But besides Booker and Payne, no one on the rest of the team dropped more than two to assists. And I don't know. I don't think Devin Booker is really a true playmaker at this point. The Suns, like you said, they're a team where you can have Crowder and Bridges sitting in the corner at all times, so there's going to be some open shots. But if you're the Clippers, I think you try and limit what the, what Devin Booker can do as a as a I don't know as, as someone who can run the offense. Really, you want you want to force him more into creating his own shot, or maybe throw some double teams on him because I don't think when he's when he's put pressure on when he put pressure on Devin Booker, I don't think he's a guy who. He's going to be like Trey Young or Luca, who's always going to find the open guy, always going to have that magical jump pass. It'll find someone sitting wide open back door for a layup or a dunk, something like that. Also for the Clippers, they're facing someone, they're facing a presence, a position at an elite level that they have not had to deal with yet in these playoffs, and that is an elite center. DeAndre Ayton, I'm talking about elite offensively, elite offensively center. Um, I don't want, okay. Yeah, because right. I was I was I was gonna say Rudy Gobert is an elite center. I'll I'll give you that. He can catch some lobs, but offensively, and on the rebounding end, shot blocking as well. I think all around, especially just paint presence. I'd say I think DeAndre Ayton is unlike anything that the Clippers have to deal with these playoffs, and we've seen them shift from playing more minutes with Zubac to starting Batum at kind of the the stretch five center role but playing more of a five out scheme and I mean they gave up 20 and 9 in the first game how do the Clippers deal with Aiden do they just do they just continue to go all in on small ball like that Rockets team last year against the Lakers and hope that pays off do they make adjustments we saw DeMarcus Cousins have 13 minutes and 11 points in that in game one he, he dunked all over Dario Sarge barbecue chicken alert what do the what do the Clippers need to do to combat DeAndre Ayton? I think I think it's really just to continue what they're doing. You mentioned that Rocket series against LA last year. One of the big things is the big differences is when you look at these two series. The uh, sorry, these two runs by the Rockets and uh, Clippers. The big difference is that what the Clippers doing are work is working, and uh, what the Rockets were doing is not. I mean, um, I th- I think. Obviously, Oklahoma City still had Steven Adams at that time when they faced them in the first round of the bubble. But I, I, I don't think of him as a particularly at, at 
uh, uh, elite center. Yeah, like how does something. how does he have a twenty seven million dollar a year contract? How how did that ever happen? Was that in like the KD Russ era when he got that deal? I don't think it could have been. I mean, how would you afford that with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook? True. Um, yeah, but I, I I don't think the Rockets did it the correct way. Uh, who's their coach? Was Dan Tony still? And uh, Dan Tony. Yeah, it was still Dan Tony. And Dan Tony's an offensive guy. It seems like the Clippers have a lot better schemes defensively, and I don't know how, but they just seem to keep battling for rebounds. Batum is—he doesn't give any rebounds. It seems like, but he seems like he's there every other possession, just like tipping a ball to a teammate, like a Reggie Jackson or a Patrick Beverly, so that they can get the rebound. And uh, yeah, the Clippers are just. They're fighters, and I know that narrative doesn't get teams very far a lot, but they're already at the conference finals, and uh, oh, oh, voice crack. And uh, if they keep it up in this series, they'll obviously go on to the next round. So I think it's really just having your wing pieces uh, continue to battle and continue to be the up to the challenge that they've been, and uh, hope on hope and knock on wood that. Uh, None of these role player guys get any injuries because that because that could really screw them up. Yeah, and it's just it's crazy to me just how insane this entire roster can shoot from three. Even when you look down in the depths of the bench, guys who haven't been getting a lot of minutes but still been having some roles in these series, like Luke Kennard, Pat Bev, even Rondo in game one shot two of two, Terrence Mann, Reggie Jackson. These guys are knocking three after three down, and it's crazy. Game one, they knocked forty-three percent of their threes down, twenty threes in. They they shot seven more and made they made seven more threes than the, than the Suns did, but they still lost. And going back to that Devin Booker point, I don't know. There, there's just so many unknowns about this series. I think Kawhi is not going to play the series. I, I've heard people some fan theorizing, oh, he'll be back for game five, blah 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 blah. If the rumors are true that it's an ACL injury. Even even if it's a sprained knee, I don't think that if you're the Clippers, I I don't think you risk that. I don't know. Do do you risk that, Levi? Is there any is there any motivation this year? Do you think it's a do or die season for the Clippers, or why can't they just run it back next year? I think if this injury would have happened, let's say at the end of the season, and they go into this first round to get series against the Mavericks and they just don't play well and they get fizzled out in like five or six. Then I think it's a do or die situation. You bring Kawhi back if he's healthy. But for this, but for this series, look, I think the Clippers showed last game that they're not going to just, they're not going to be a team that loses their superstar and just fizzles out automatically. And the last two series of the Jazz, or last two games of the Jazz series. I mean, they won both of those incredibly without without Kawhi. Exactly. And when I was uh, anyway about the Mavericks, I I don't I think you have something to prove in that series, and I think you can bring back Kawhi and see how where that series takes you. But I think they've proven that they can win with this team in two really tough series against Dallas and Utah. Uh, and you like how you looked in game one against the Suns. So I think this team will continue to rehabilitate Kawhi. And I don't think they bring him back before he's not 100% because nobody in the playoffs is 100%. But I don't know. I'm not going to put a percentage on it because I think that's pretty arbitrary. But you just want to see a certain look you get from Kawhi. And that's when you know he's got it back. 
And uh, yeah, I think they're going to wait for that look. And if it comes this series, great. If it doesn't, I think they either go to the finals after playing some really great games or they get up, gear up for next offseason and just um, get some more pieces, see how their pieces are going to go into the next year and go with go into another season with Kawhi and Paul George. And that's that's not a bad offseason for most teams. And I don't think it'd be a bad one for L.A. either. Yeah. I mean, the group they've got right now, they didn't retool that much. Ibaka's probably going to leave in the offseason. I don't think they'll bring him back. I don't know what his contract's looking like. I don't know who they'll have to pay. I think Terrence Mansell on his rookie deal. Maybe Reggie Jackson will want a little more money. He deserves it after what he's done in these playoffs. I don't know, man. you got to think about the deficits. If the Clippers go down 3-0, they go down 3-1, I think at that point, are you desperate enough to maybe force Kawhi to come back a little bit early? Because if they don't, if they don't, uh, they don't bring this up to two one or two two, or even if they go down three two, I don't think they they bring back. Maybe they bring back Kawhi for a three two series if they're down. Because uh, game six would be, I don't know, game six would be at Staples Center, at home. Maybe not the biggest pressure to bring it back for a home game. But I I don't know. The closest thing I could think, and I've said it in some of the hubbubs recently. Is uh KD KD in that 2019 series playoff playoff run not series where he he was held out and came back in the NBA Finals game five and got injured after he was balling out. But this Clippers team, while they still have looked fantastic in the past few games without Kawhi, I don't know they've shot fantastically from three, but can they keep it up? There's got to be an off game. After three straight games of amazing shooting and great performances by Reggie Jackson and Paul George, there's got to be an off game in some shape or form. And I don't think that they have the championship experience that a team like that Warriors team that still had Clay, Curry, and Draymond, as well as guys like Livingston off the bench and, and Kevon Looney, who was also struggling with injuries in that run. I'm not sure. All right, let's just cut to the chase, Levi. Uh, Clippers, Suns, who you got? Man. Well, I originally picked. I originally picked the uh, Clippers to go through and play the Nets in the um, NBA Finals in seven games. Yes, in seven games. Um, for this series, it's it's definitely a close one. I'm not going to put like um, asterisks on it. Like if Kawhi comes back, if Kawhi doesn't come back, cause that's lame. Um, I'll just say overall, I think the Clippers are going to surprise some people with this series. I was already surprised by game one. Um, but when it does come down to it, I think I'll go with Phoenix in seven games for this. No, you know what? Phoenix in six games for this one. And I think they go on. Um, in my prediction to go play the Hawks in the NBA Finals. All right, Phoenix, Phoenix Hawks. That'd be an interesting, uh, interesting series. I don't think anyone could have predicted that preseason. I wonder what the odds were if you did a, if you did a what's it called a uh, a parlay, two way parlay with Suns and Hawks to the finals. With uh, I don't know that that that's got to be some crazy return. If anyone picked the Hawks to the finals this year, even the Eastern Conference champion, they gotta be they gotta be sitting pretty pretty right now, wondering about that hedge. They gotta they pull it off or pray that Trey Young and ATL bring some magic to their to their betting life. Clippers Suns. I really want to go and click pick the Clippers here. 
just because against the Mavs, against the Jazz, I counted them out. I thought the Jazz team was so much more stacked than the Mavs. Yet, I think the Mavs put up a better fight. I mean, they did. They took him to seven. The Jazz, the Jazz lost in six, and that was without Kawhi playing for the last two games. I mean, that's kind of crazy to think. Luka Doncic, put some respect on his name. He he took that that series single handedly to seven games, with a fully healthy Clippers roster, with the exception of Ibaka. But Ibaka didn't play more than what, like one game this postseason. Yeah. But I don't know, man. With with Marcus Morris in game one, that's what's worrying me. I think Reggie Jackson has been too streaky recently. He hasn't had an off game in a while. I I don't know what the Clippers are going to do to stop Aiton. But I, I'm not going to bet fully against this Clippers team. I think CP3 will be back for game four. So I'm going to bet. I'm going to bet game four. Maybe game three. Don't know what the what the rest days are looking like. If it's one day off or two days off, because we're getting further into the playoffs, more rest for some time some teams. I'm gonna say Suns and seven. I hope we get to see Kawhi come back, but if if he really has an ACL issue, I think uh, I think he should sit this out. I think Paul George is gonna play his his mind out this series. Paul George I expect to put up amazing numbers, but the rest of the team. I just don't think they can be as consistent as they, they've been in these past two series against the Suns team, who defensively and in the paint with Aiton as well, I don't think the Clippers can deal with Aiton. So, yeah, I'm picking uh, I'm picking the Suns in seven for those reasons. So, Suns against the uh, the Bucks. All right, random, uh, random shot in the dark, Levi. Who's your finals MVP at this point? Ooh. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta put put some money down, put fifty bucks down on a hypothetical uh, casino. Let's say, let's say odds right now in my mind, I'm, I'm gonna say Giannis is the favorite. I'm gonna say Devin Booker is number two, Paul George is number three, CP3 number four. Now I put Trey above CP3, then CP3, and then then you got guys with crazy odds like Chris Middleton, Kawhi Leonard. And I don't know who the hell else. Bogdanovich, Drew Holiday. Who you got? Uh, I'm gonna go with. Hmm. I'm gonna go with. I think who's I think is playing the hottest right now, and I'm gonna go with Devin Booker. I think uh, I, this is going off my prediction, and I think Devin Booker is the hottest uh, player out of the um, Hawks and Suns right now. So I'm gonna go with the lucky hand, and I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot with Devin Booker right now. Although it's obviously, as you said, a shot in the dark. All right. Well, I'm a, I'm gonna keep my money and be a little safe with it. I'm just throwing it all on Giannis, even though he might not give me the biggest profit amount. I think what he's gonna give you is a a series. If he makes it to the finals, like I think he's going to, I think he's gonna average thirty ten and five, maybe even a little better, depending on what his matchups looking like. It's the Suns, especially instead of the Clippers. But I mean, if you're, I, I I do not consider myself someone who can give solid betting advice. So take this with fair warning. This is just pure speculation and analysis. I throw a throw a throw a little fiver on Trey Young right now. His, his odds got to be pretty pretty high. And if this Hawks team can keep it up, if they win the finals, there's no one else on that team who's going to win the Finals MVP but him. No question, he's going to lead the team in scoring and assists. So yeah, Trey Young could be the sneaky play before Game Seven of the Sixers Hawks. Hawks were at plus 3,000 odds, 30 to 1 to win the finals, where that Sixers were like plus 760, like 8 to 1. 
So Hawks take that series, and I'm sure their odds are a lot uh, a lot lower now to win the NBA Finals, but still probably the highest out of any of these four remaining teams. But that's going to wrap it up for this Conference Finals episode. Hope you guys enjoyed all our predictions. I'll be back on the Hubbub more, and we'll have some future episodes once these uh, Conference Finals come to an end, man. Can't wait to talk about these NBA Finals. We're only a few weeks away. If you want to keep up to date with NBA content, daily post memes, stories, highlights, debates, and more, at BBQCHX Alert, Barbecue Chicken Alert on Instagram for all of your basketball content needs. If you like the podcast, follow, subscribe, or download us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor. Throw us some support. Levi, it's been a pleasure to have you back on the pod. Hope to talk to you soon, my friend. And uh, any parting words before we, uh, we get to witness these series? Yeah, get ready for, I don't know, a few months of no basketball because that's what's coming soon. That sounds really depressing for a basketball podcast. It's it's just something that's... We still got the Olympics in a month or two. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Forgot about those. KD committing, Dame committing. It's going to be a fun run. Go Team USA. All right, y'all. As always, peace out.